When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Wadi Wachtel. You're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Absolutely. Welcome back. This is Martin Popoff for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, and 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, this is uh, episode 93. We're going to be calling it Chameleons. Uh, but first of all, I uh, hope you all liked our uh, Contrarians YouTube channel, um, April Fool's Joke. Uh, it's funny. We, we put it up on April Fool's. Marco put it up at midnight. And we ran it for a while as that. And then after a couple of days, we thought, you know what? The day is fading. We better, uh, in memory, we, we better change the title. So we actually put April Fool's in the title eventually. But it was fascinating watching the process of, of people getting it or not getting it. Of course, when they didn't get it, they thought I was a complete lunatic. And uh, there was quite a few negative comments. But it's it's funny. Those comments, um, there were places, there were actual Black Sabbath Facebook pages that didn't get it. And... Uh, they, they would, they would all not get it. All the people in a row. It was so bizarre because all you had to do was look at the YouTube comments. Um, or I mean, just listen to the episode. I think a lot of times people didn't listen to the episode too. That, that's the other reason you wouldn't get it because it just says contrarians, worst album edition, heaven and hell. Uh, anyways, that was a lot of fun. Um, it turned out great. I mean, I, I did that over a month ago. Um, and, uh, and yeah, go, go take a listen. It's, it's now actually called April Fool's. So everybody's safe and you're not going to look foolish for not getting it kind of thing. Um, also, I wanted to, uh, before we move on, uh, mention a few comments uh, that uh, the good listeners have put in on the Facebook pages, uh, our Facebook page on the last episode, which was episode 92. Uh, what do we call it? World's Biggest Dead Rock Stars, I believe. Um, so here we go. So I put in a list and I had, um, well, let's just read. William Martin says, can't balk with the selections for the most part. I, I would have put Hendrix in place of Morrison. And I, I did believe that. I was very close to putting Jimi Hendrix and uh, and Jim Morrison. Those two were kind of battling out for the fifth spot. A large part of that is personal preference. I don't think the Doors had the impact of Hendrix, but that's pretty subjective. Um Sidebar, I do realize Elton is still alive. I just think his ongoing output has diminished his stature somewhat. Yeah, kind of true. Uh, scary Monsters, we talk about David Bowie here. This is Steve Bellow. Um, I would put Hendrix in place of Morrison personally. I agree with William Martin. Overall, good podcast. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eric J. Peterson says, Johnny Cash is the only name I thought of that was missing from the honorable mentions. As he started out alongside Elvis and Rock. Very good point. Uh uh, became a country icon and ended his run 
uh, as rock icon again. Kind of, yeah, kind of interesting with that uh, Nine Inch Nails cover, right? Um, uh, Danny Bednar says, good call, Eric. I didn't even think of him. Probably too country to make my list. Yeah, this is this is the other thing too. When, when I was gonna, or I may still do the young person's list, um, you know, we have to talk about pop. We have to talk about hip hop a little bit. And then of course, we're into the big debate. Is that rock and roll? Same kind of debate that happens with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Um, let's see. Blaze Barshaw says, I hope Martin didn't jinx any old rockers with this show. Yeah, good point. Um, I find myself many times uh, interviewing guys or even in the case of Ken Hensley, I was just about to interview him that day or the next day and then he died. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, let's see. David Lawrence says, I was kind of surprised in the previous episode that Steven Tyler wasn't mentioned at all. Of course, this isn't the Dead Rockers one. This is the Live Rockers one. Yeah, he'd be pretty close. Uh, he says with his regrettable American Idol work, his fame is pretty high. Kind of true. Um Let's see. Carlos Abad says, cool episode, but kind of sad and reflective when you think uh, they still had so much to give, especially Jim Morrison and John Lennon. Double Fantasy was, is a great album. New beginning for John, what could have been a promising career in the 80s. Very good point. Colston Veer says, the big rock star deaths that seemed to impact the population outside of music fans and obsessives were Elvis, John Lennon, Michael Jackson. See, he was another one I almost put in there. Uh, Bowie and maybe Prince. Uh, all of those are very valid. I was 10 when Elvis died and can still remember all women crying in my street etc um one uh weirdling says i wonder how many of the choices in the short list and the living one for that matter might have similarly ranked chuck berry and little richard um yeah good point but as time goes on um you know who who kind of lasts in the public consciousness right um Danny Bednar says, Weirdling, very good call. Both deserve high spots. Little Richard's cultural impact was massive across generations and his accomplishments in the face of being black and effeminate are incredible for his era without being expert on the era. And he goes on. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then there's a bit of a discussion about the Ramones. But again, these were about these were about people. These were about actual um, people on two feet. So uh, when, you, when you split the fame across all the Ramones, um, I... Uh, I, di I didn't want to do that because I think the discussion's more interesting when it's just about people. All right, let's leave it at that for now with uh, with looking back at these uh, old episodes and let's move on to chameleons. Um, what I wanted to do with this is I'm actually, you know, normally I would keep the best, best, best example for number five slot, but I, I want to include him as, our, I want to put him in here as the number one slot. So this is the gold standard for chameleons um, because uh, I need to discuss him in the context of the other ones. So to make this you know, a little more interesting. I wanted to talk a little bit about how these guys were chameleons and, and why perhaps in, in their career arc, they were chameleons or in their personality, what made them chameleons. Um, so let's get started. Uh, let's take a listen to our first track. This is David Bowie with Seven. The gods Listen to the shadows I play among the graves My heart was never broken My patience never tried I got seven days 
All right, I wanted to pick something from this Hours album because I seem to be the only one who loves this album to death. This late period David Bowie album, it's mellow, it's acoustic, it's melodic. I love the record. Um, I hate the title because uh, technically it's single uh, quotation mark, lowercase hours, dot, 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 single quotation mark. Totally annoying. Um but let's just call it ours. Um, so this came out October 4th, 1999. I am I included him in here because he's the first guy you think of when you think of chameleons. Um, and he's a chameleon in, in all departments. Obviously, he changed his look completely uh, through all that time. Uh, you know, the early normal Dave, David, Davy Jones, whatever you want to call him, uh, through Ziggy Stardust and uh, the Thin White Duke. And uh, he had later on, he had his... Um, his industrial rock look, uh, you know, with the dyed red hair and the little little beard thing, and then he had the the swoopy hair, and uh, then he had the nice suit on for uh, Let's Dance and all that. Um, uh, so so he he definitely changed his look all through those times, um, but he also changed his music all through those times, obviously as well with the Berlin period, um, with a huge huge you know ill conceived engagement of eighties rock drum sounds. Uh, uh, you know, saxophone, um, but he had, okay, to, to speak of saxophone, he had that early, early Philly soul sound. He had the, he was the king of the glam era. Uh, before that, he was somewhat Beatlesque. He's been proggy. He's been nightmarish. He's been synthesizer-y. Um, He's got this Hours album, which I wanted to put in here. And then he ended his career on a super high with kind of these, um, these dark, complicated, um, you know, I would say pretty rocking albums. And then Black Star, of course, uh, you know, I've often described it as almost a Krautrock album, I, I thought. Um, Krautrock, a little trancy maybe, um, but many, many different uh, phases to what he did. And uh, he, he always uh, was celebrated by the fans as a chameleon. He always thought of himself as that as well. Um, but also um, the other reason, you know, I'm putting bands in here for being chameleons is, um, is using so much fresh blood and different band members all the time. Like the guitarist that went through David Bowie with Mick Ronson and Adrian Ballou and what um, uh, Reeves Gabrell is a big well the Tin Machine right so we've um, Tin Machine is another thing he did where he was kind of a noisy trashy almost stoogy kind of thing he did that for two albums got a lot of heck for it um, but yeah all sorts of different drummers and Tony Vince Visconti in and out and um, so many different uh, players involved in in the whole in the whole David Bowie career um, absolutely our gold standard uh, in this idea for chameleons all right Let's move on to a second uh, choice here. Well, I wanted to say why. Um, that's right. So, so why with David? I think uh, I think this is a kind of a special case where it's um, it's not fully for sincerity's sake, and it's not fully for um, it, it. It's you know quite low on the totem pole. It's because uh, you know pressure to change because things weren't working out etc i think with david this is kind of hard to explain but i think with him it was almost like the main character he played was the chameleon and he liked that character and he actually played that character throughout his whole life so he had all these different characters along the way but i think he 
almost fell in love in a sort of feedback loop with the fans and uh, critical analysis of him as this idea of the chameleon and he kept doing it for that reason so subtly that's going to be a little different from everybody else we talk about here all right let's move on uh number two on our list take a listen to this this is iggy pop with new values ah but everything is spinning and if i use a gun i'm sure to go to prison i'm stubborn as a mule and nobody breaks my rules but nothing comes my way All right, we did it. We did an episode of our YouTube show, The Contrarians, where I picked New Values as my favorite Iggy Pop album of all time, and uh, I totally stand by that. Play it all the time. Uh, love this song off of it. But absolutely, uh, he is a chameleon. Obviously, we have the uh, the nascent proto heavy metal of the Stooges, uh, kind of even darker and trashier. Come Raw Power in 1973, he has his Berlin years, uh, which are spent in association with David Bowie and here's you know perhaps where he catches the chameleon bug uh, from David but they work on these uh, two kind of thoughtful dark artistic uh, very European sounding albums in uh, in the idiot and lust for life um, but then he moves on he does a thing with uh, with James Williamson which comes out as Kill City which is almost like Stonesy rock and roll uh, then he's got this sort of um tight taut new wave period with new values he uh he goes into kind of like absurdity comedic with a lot of sound effects stuff uh then zombie birdhouse is very kind of like art house um and and he moves on we've got instinct at one point where he tries to do metal he tries to do really sheeny crooner stuff with a blah 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 and uh whatever that one with home on it is called i can't remember the name of it right now brick by brick um and then later on he's got the french stuff the jazzy stuff he kind of goes back to it well he does literally go back to the stooges for two albums um and he also makes the odd stoogy sort of album like not a naughty little doggy and those kinds of things um so he is absolutely all over the place i wouldn't say he's a chameleon with his look so much there's only so much you can do with like your shirt off kind of thing. He's always pictured with his shirt off and, um, you know, he changed his hairstyle a little bit along the way. But uh, but yeah, if, if you look at all those different styles, we we just kind of went through. He he went in a lot of directions. Now, why is he doing this? Um, you know, as I said, you know, possibly he he thought he saw you know, firsthand hanging out with, uh, literally living with David during those Berlin years. Um, that is kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, and it was semi working for David, I suppose. It wasn't working famously for David. He wasn't selling tons and tons of records. But um, I think with Iggy also, part of it though, happens to be this idea of um, a little bit of that's not working. I have to try something new. A, a, a tiny bit of desperation here and there mixed with artistic integrity. Um, you know, he's also changing record labels a lot. My favorite stuff is that Arista Years stuff, but early on it was RCA. Um, but I think, I think with him, it's a little bit of it, it's not so much it's not so much that he is leading the music on a on a super sort of visionary level um the way that david probably 
uh, corrals and leads the music of his band. I mean, all of these guys with with um, these super smart, creative guys uh, bringing him music, uh, you know, will fall into a bit of the semi-lazy, oh, I like that, I like that, let's do that, let's do that. But I think with Iggy, um, there's there's more detachment from that than David. So, so possibly a little bit less artistic integrity. Um, and and maybe a little more laziness, right? A little more laziness and possibly a little more, um, I've got to do something to sell some records. I mean, it really felt that way during blah, blah, blah and uh, brick by brick. Um, and uh, and so, so yeah, this, so his chameleon-ness is maybe a mix of the inspiration of David Bowie, um, a mix of restlessness because he also is changing band members all the time. Like you never feel, you really never feel outside of the Stooges that anybody is super important in this band. And that's what I really don't like when these guys do this. Um, so there you go. Iggy Pop, uh, a little, uh, let's, let's say he's got, uh, I would say uh, 71% or maybe 66% the artistic integrity in this chameleon uh, concept uh, as uh, our first choice, David Bowie. All right, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again in History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 93, Chameleons. Um, we are talking about uh, artists that uh, changed radically throughout their years. Um, so let's take a listen to our third um, uh, culture on the Petri dish. This is Alice Cooper with No Longer Umpire. All right, so that was Alice Cooper from Prettiest for You, their debut album, June 1969. Um, Alice Cooper, definitely, definitely a chameleon. Um, so we've got him moving from this uh, absurdist, Frank Zappa-esque, straight records, psychedelic rock era with the first two albums, Pretty for You and Easy Action. They move into their sort of, uh, I don't even know what you would call the golden years. It's hard to describe that music. A little bit of heaviness, some darkness, some some hit singleness, um, you know, not particularly well-recorded albums. I've always said that. Um, you could say it's a little bit of a, a nightmarish dark side answer to the UK glam thing. Um, but Alice, eventually he does kind of the big show album with Welcome to My Nightmare. And, you know, obviously one of the big things that happens is he goes quote unquote solo. But uh, but he has he has his kind of crooner easy listening era with from the inside and go goes to hell. Alice Cooper goes to hell, and um, and uh, lace and whiskey. Um, he has his quirky new wave period during the um, the the blackout period. He has a hair metal period with the outside songwriters. He even has kind of like a heavy industrial period with with that Dragon Town era. Um, 
And then he has the dirty rock and roll, you know, dirty diamonds, uh, trying to be like, like back to a garage band. Uh, he does some, some quite overt heavy metal. So he's been all over the place. Went back to Welcome to My Nightmare again for kind of a big production album, right? Um, so he's, uh, he's definitely been a chameleon. Um, even the look has, uh, has evolved and been somewhat chameleon-like, although he, he kind of keeps, he, well, he even changed the hair once, but he kind of keeps the, um, he he keeps the makeup, but he does change uh, his dress, and and the show changed a lot over time. Although it eventually standardized, uh, you know, it, it became a little bit of a Vegas act, I suppose you would say. Um, and again, the other reason he's or the other way he's a chameleon is different players all through the whole thing, except for that solidity of the early band. Um, so he's always changed up the band. Um, but yeah, you look at all those records, uh, you know, there's never a standard logo, there's never a standard album cover look. You look at all these phases he's gone through, definitely a chameleon. Now, why is he a chameleon? I think Alice is a chameleon because he loves theater, he loves TV, he loves shock rock, he loves a great show. Um, and another reason is, I think... Um, you didn't get a standard style out of them, even in the golden era, right through that whole, you know, love it to death, killer schools out, billion dollar babies, muscle of love era. Um, you did not get a standard sound anyway. So he was never pinned to a standard sound. Um, but I think there probably is a little bit of, um, uh, along, along the way, a little bit, uh, the, the careerism with him as well. Um, you know, not so much the label pushing him to do certain things, but him just realizing that, you know, to get back on top, to, to, to make it in this business, I've got to do, uh, I've got to do certain things, make changes. You know, I, I'd say the biggest one, uh, would be that change from coming out of almost dying from his addictions and losing all that weight and coming back from the, you know, the, the blackout years, the, the quirky new wave, uh, obscure music into um, realizing in the hair metal era that, you know, he, he kind of looked around and said, Wasp, Motley Crue, I started all this, right? Um, and, and he's kind of right about that. And so he comes back as a viable hair metal act and does some pretty safe hair metal albums uh, all in a row there. What do we got to raise your fist and, and yell and constrictor and uh, trash? Hey, stupid. Uh, and he does quite well with uh, certainly two out of four of those he does really well with. They go gold and platinum, I believe. Maybe maybe double platinum for one of them. Anyways, um, so and then and then the last temp temptation, uh, the temptation of Alice could be that. So that's even an interesting one that's chameleon like because here is uh, Alice doing one of these um, try harder during the death of of hair metal thing and he makes kind of like a really well put together classy album mature album which is kind of what the hair metal bands uh, the successful ones anyways creatively uh, did in that 91 92 93 period so he even had one of those um but yeah, so I would say he, he fits in here and he's a chameleon because he's just an enthusiastic uh, participator in pop culture more than anything. He he just wants to get in there and muck it up and, and make it interesting and make it different. Um, but um, 
but just kind of move along with the times, I suppose, um, because this is a guy that also was like uh, he was on TV shows all the time. He he loves being part of, uh, you know, the comedian and the actor set and the and the um, the celebrity set. He's got his golf and he's been in movies and, and all that kind of thing. So um, I, I think I think Alice is just uh, boy, how, how could you put it any further than that? I, th I think he's just doing this uh, to be colorful. Let's, let's leave it at that. All right, let's move on. Um, our fourth, fourth choice here in uh, the Chameleons episode is Queen. Take a listen to this. This is Sheer Heart Attack. All right, so I wanted to play you um, one of their heaviest songs because that you know we did an episode earlier called Heavy Metal Not Us, and uh, and Queen is my favorite example of bands that uh, have three or four songs in the seventies, uh, Modern Times Rock and Roll, uh, Sheer Heart Attack, that actually um, when they addressed heavy metal, they were heavier than every heavy metal band in certain ways, uh, you know, through the use of certain production techniques, but also the writing. And this one, this one is is probably more down to the the, the production techniques. This is the song that famously they were trying to show the punks who who can be more punk. Um, so that's kind of an interesting concept. Um, but the idea of Queen as a chameleon band is a little more uh, back to the Beatles. I think the Beatles were a fairly big chameleon band themselves. Um, they they started off fairly conservative, but who couldn't? They were they were practically you know reinventing rock and roll for the very first time after the original rock and roll. Um, and you know there wasn't a lot of super crazy experimentation, although they had a lot of firsts. But they they did a lot of crazy things. And the sheer heart attack example that comes from the Beatles, of course, is Helter Skelter. And I even asked Paul McCartney about that once, right? When I when I got that one awesome interview with him, you know, uh, and and yeah, the idea was just to be super super heavy. What can we do to be so crazy heavy? Um, and and they did it. Um, and they did a lot of different things. They did um, just like Queen. They did the idea of the you know the dance dance hall music, the music their parents would listen to, 20s and 30s music. Uh, Beatles and Queen both did that. So Queen is more of an example of a band that, you know, they they um they they had they had all their variety. They didn't conceptually um change so much in terms of this album is exactly different from this album is exactly different from this album. They did it all within one album and sometimes even all within one song like Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Um, so they had they had they had the pop they had disco they had synthesizer music they had a little bit of rockabilly they had like we say some of the heaviest metal you can ever imagine they had prog they had atmospheric stuff um, they had you know simple piano balladry um, they had acoustic songs they had uh, there was even a chameleonness uh, even in the singing department you had Freddie and Roger and Brian and Roger was the Peter Chris of the band with the rough voice right um, they had all these different songwriters, but obviously they, you know, uh, they they 
had this uh, more macro chameleonness in them as well because when you get in the 80s starting with hot space moving into all those records you had much less of the of the note dense complicated heavy metal or prog or anything complicated and you had radical things like you know i'm going slightly mad or uh radio gaga or uh what else? Who are these? Some of the other ones in there. Anyways, a lot, lots of lots of synthy stuff, lots of dancey stuff, a little bit of disco, gay disco stuff. Um, so yeah, Queen could be kind of all over the place. And I think the the um, the example here is quite different from anybody who's got any links to David Bowie. I think Queen's example is more a direct link to the Beatles. And uh, you know, oddly enough, uh, this is actually pure coincidence but oddly enough i would say queen and the beatles are the two Brit two biggest british bands of all time or biggest bands uh two british people put it that way um so there you go that's our number four choice uh let's take a listen to our last selection here um episode 93 the chameleons this is the damned with anything All right, so I wanted to pick the damned here um, because I think, um, well, you know what? I didn't, I didn't say why for Queen yet, did I? Um, so, so I think Queen, um, I think Queen did that because they absolutely, um, they absolutely artistically loved the idea of of we can do anything, uh, and they were really restless, and they had different personalities, and they fought all the time over musical direction. Um, so I I think I think with Queen it was it was almost like we want to try blow you away by delivering everything, uh, and be completely action packed every single time we come to the plate with our 38 minutes or 42 minutes or whatever it was right so so they're trying to be everything to everybody and just being dramatic uh and and going from from barely audible to the loudest thing you can imagine all over the place shocking you being daring i think with queen it was almost always a case of artistic integrity put it that way all right. Um, now, The Damned, uh, I wanted to play you, um, this is a little incongruous because I played you one of their most heavy metal songs, but it's from their goth period. So the Anything album and Phantasmagoria are these albums that are kind of glossy and, and somewhat gothic. But The Damned, one of my favorite bands, love these guys to death. Um, they, they were, you know, during that first album, Damn, Damn, Damned, and the third album, Machine Gun Etiquette, I'd say they were the punkiest thing you could ever imagine. The middle one produced by Nick Mason is a little more stayed but it's also quite punky and i love it i think it's underrated um but they went through a period where uh, right after that where they were confounding expectations with a lot of kind of um 
you know, nods to uh, 60s garage rock and psychedelia. So so my favorite period of the band, that Black Album Strawberries period, uh, there, there, there's a lot of anything goes there. They do like a 17-minute prog epic called Curtain Call, you know, and this is from a punk band. Um, and this is happening because these guys are huge music fans. This is one of the neat things about this band. And I don't I don't feel that's the case with with actually I really don't feel that's the case with everybody else here that um we've talked about as massive chameleons. Um yeah, I who would be the biggest music fans here? Uh, Iggy Pop maybe besides the damned. Um I Bowie I suppose. Um you know, I I don't really feel that about Alice or Queen uh, in particular. Um but I definitely feel that about the damned. I feel like these guys are crate diggers. These are record guys, record collector kind of dudes. Um and 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 also chameleons because uh quite a changing lineup all through the career although they did keep some standards um you know they they always kept kind of anchors or guys would go out and come back or whatever but um you know so so they had these different periods um but they also uh they they kind of went back to um uh, still an anything goes style, but but more uh, along their heavy punk style in some of the later albums. But I would say that their latest album, Evil Spirits, which unfortunately is not one of my favorite Damned albums, produced by Tony Visconti, it it has a very conservative production sound, and it it doesn't have any heaviness really to it at all. So I think they made a quite a chameleonic change there as well. Um, and I wanted to put them last here because. They are my favorite band on this list, and I think they are the band with the most artistic integrity when it comes to being chameleons. Um, I think they're doing it most from all of these bands for the right reasons. Um, I think, uh, I, I, you know, they, they had a little bit of that period, um, you know, the one period of the dam that everybody is supposed to not like is that glossy goth period um, with Phantasmagoria and anything. And especially anything, you know, there's there's a lot of downer put on that album because apparently it was rushed and we didn't have the material and we were, you know, our batteries were running low. And there was a lot of success with Phantasmagoria. When I say a lot with The Damned, it's pretty relative. It's more like European pop success and being on pop TV and things like that. It's, you know, obviously this is not a band that was super successful in the States at all. Um, but uh, but no, I really I really feel that um, they had a lot of integrity in doing this, and that's why I wanted to put them number five. All right, honorable mentions. I almost put in the Chameleons UK. Great great band. Their Strange Times album I played hundreds of times, but everybody every time I bring that up, people say Script of the Bridge. I just almost put them in here as a joke because their name is the Chameleons, but they weren't very chameleonic. They actually had a very, very similar sound through their three classic albums. And then they came back with one called uh, Why Call It Anything in 2001. Uh, Mark Burgess, amazing, amazing band. And especially that Strange Times album, absolute masterpiece. Check it out. Very atmospheric and dark and post-punk. Um, and there you go. If you liked this show and want to support future episodes, um, you know, we've got the Ko-Fi thing going. Um, I'm not doing a Patreon thing, so that's that's all I've got to sort of support the show and make it feel valid like I have a real job. Uh, on that front, this week I want to thank Bruce Campbell, Simon Cole, David Fisher, Jonathan Jordan, Kevin Latham, and Matthew Rassman. Uh, you can also go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Um, the we've I've still got the sweet book. I've still got the, um, uh, you know, 
you know, the, the, the big one right now is the, is the uh, Driven, uh, Rush in the 90s and in the end. I've, so I've got the Sweet Book, the Angel Book, and, uh, and I've still got the Flaming Telepaths book. And I have actually had some success with the idea of um, offering prints of my illustrations from the Flaming Telepaths book. This is the one that expands upon the Imagino story. So that's all there. MartinPopoff.com. Wow, another long episode. Sorry about that, guys. Um, anyways, uh, there you go. Uh, go listen to uh, some of these chameleons. And uh, and if you can only pick one, support the damned. Signing off. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.